Hello listener, welcome to Switch. Always leave them wanting more, so the saying goes. And somehow England and Pakistan managed to do that, despite playing out the longest ever T20I series between full members. A full seven matches in Karachi and Lahore. It was so compelling, even the tea and toothpaste ads managed to retain their charm throughout. Don't at me. England rode out 4-3 winners after a tour that went through more ups and downs than the pound-dollar exchange rate, but there's not much time to reflect as both teams head down under to continue their preparations for the T20 World Cup. To look ahead to that and debrief on a historic return to Pakistan after a 17-year absence, I'm joined by what we can perhaps call the Alpha and Omega. ESPN Crick Info UK editor Andrew Miller, who signed off in Rawalpindi at the end of the 2005-06 tour, and assistant editor Matt Roller who was among the most recent press contingent to visit the country. Uh, good to see you both. I, I think we should go to Matt first with a question on everyone's lips. Uh, was Moeen Ali right to cast aspersions on the food in Lahore? Well, he was entirely right in... Uh, if he was solely comparing the Pakistani restaurants and the two team hotels, which I think he probably was, then he was 100% <laughs> right that the Karachi one was miles better. Um my personal experience is that I had some pretty good food in both um, cities. I would say, I would agree that Karachi probably shaded it. Um, but, you know, you can only ever dip your toe when you're there for a week or so. So, um, yeah, I think despite the fact he sort of tried his best to weigh in on uh, a huge rivalry between two huge cities and, uh, you know, almost caused a diplomatic incident in his farewell press conference as a result. Um, I think Moe did have a bit of a point. <laughs> I'm sure Osman, uh, Samid and our esteemed colleague would agree, uh, being a Karachiite as well. Uh, how was Pakistan? Uh, did you ever manage to beat Alim Dar at table tennis? I didn't. Alim had a, a fearsome forehand and no backhand whatsoever, but his forehand was good enough to beat me. Um, it, uh, seriously it was a, a fantastic trip I really enjoyed it um, I think somewhere that especially growing up you know I was what seven years old I think when England were last in, in Pakistan just to make you both feel old um, <laughs> don't remind so, us yeah so having <laughs> <laughs> so as a result I think it was somewhere where I probably had not expected for most of my life that I would ever get to go and watch England play cricket so um, yeah, it was a pretty special thing to be part of um, especially sort of the first game and the uh, the reception that the teams both got um, and then throughout the series actually you know obviously you mentioned the fact it was such a long series and I think there was a bit of trepidation heading into it that it might really drag but actually um, you know it was it was nip and tuck um, sort of ebbed and flowed both teams taking leads at various points um, both teams sort of pretty strong but flawed in a way that made for a pretty compelling series and I think particularly the uh, the sort of the drama of the fourth game the last one in Karachi where you had Harris Ralph bowling 155 kilometer an hour in Duckers, reverse swinging it into England's lower order. Um, it was a pretty special atmosphere to witness. And uh, yeah, very glad that the, the tour sort of passed off as, as well as it seemed to. And um, sort of, I, I guess, uh, the start of a very busy and long winter for England that, um, you know, it sort of serves as the, the first course of uh, quite an extensive tasting menu with the World Cup. Uh, a couple of weeks away and then uh, obviously a test series in Pakistan in, in December as well. Yes, yeah, so if you, if, you, if you split them up as uh, and the boards have uh, in separate uh, trips, then it's um, six tours England will be going on, England men, uh, this winter. So uh, yeah, get stuck in. Um, 
Miller, I'm, I'm sure it brought back lots of fond memories. Uh, uh, I think you were uh, your first tour back in 2001 there, the old, the old uh, Karachi in the dark, another famous uh, trip to Karachi. Um, important to see those links re-established uh, w- with Pakistan, obviously the debt owed through COVID, um, and also kind of the, the warm relations between the two teams, which hasn't always been that way. Well, indeed. I mean, you know, the, 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 there's an awful lot of water under the bridge in terms of the, the ancient history about the relationship between England and Pakistan, you know, the ball tampering, the match fixing, all the, all, the, all the stuff that has gone before. I think a lot of that, frankly, is it was ancient history. But unfortunately, what England did last year, what the ECB did last year in, in very unilaterally pulling out of their tour, really, really offended some sensibilities out there. Ramiz Raja is talking about the colonial mindset and, and, and all, the, all the rest of it. I thought, it, I thought it was a preposterous misjudgment to pull out of that tour, a goodwill gesture to thank a team that had basically helped prop England up uh, during that COVID summer in 2020. And I'm relieved and very pleased that, it, that it's gone ahead, but I'm not remotely surprised it's gone ahead so smoothly because... Uh, as you say, I, I love Pakistan. I've been there twice. Um, it was, without a shadow of a doubt, my favourite country to tour, um, largely because, I suppose, certainly when you're on a test tour, and, a, and a, to be fair, a seven-match T20 tour is, is a, it has the same sort of dynamic, frankly, doesn't it? It's uh, you, you get a chance to really feel as though you're you're seeing a culture. You're seeing somewhere that, frankly, is different to pretty much anywhere else that you would wish to try and watch cricket. And... Uh, yeah, Karachi, Lahore, two two lovely cities. I mean, I, I'll stick I'll stick up for Lahore's food. In fact, um, I I remember I think it was called Coco's restaurant back in the day. I maybe may have may have gone there, but there's a amazing restaurant over over overlooking the mosque, um, where where all the foods ferried up and down by by dumb waiters. You know the pulley system and all the rest of it. Amazing place, amazing food, amazing memories. So delighted that England have gone out there and and uh, you know been able to help showcase what we we who've been to Pakistan know that it's you know one of the most hospitable nations on earth and um they are so knowledgeable about their cricket as well I mean I mean obviously Matt was there in the stadium uh sort of almost hearing word for word the the various chants and 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 the mutinies and all the all the other things that were coming out of the Pakistan fans uh lips at, at times during the series but you couldn't dispute the fact that at pretty much every given moment of every given game they had a strong opinion about what was happening and they could back up their opinion with, you know, a, a, a deeply ingrained knowledge about how cricket can and should be played. So uh, wonderful to see. And it was a, a great spectacle from from start to finish. Well, maybe not finish. The finish was a bit of a damp squid. But, but the first the first six games were amazing. <laughs> yes, uh, we will. We will get into that. Uh, I think. Parchi was the one that came across uh, Matt from uh, uh, your uh, your updates from the stadium. We, we, that doesn't, I presume, literally translate as slow scorer. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so from my understanding, this was this was it, as Miller says, it was kind of incredible having seen you know the strength of discussion, I suppose, online, and we see it, um, it whenever we've had the sort of opportunity to be on ball by ball commentary during a Pakistan game about how you know the strong feelings that people have about um, their style of play in T20 cricket and who should be coming in next and um, exactly how they should be sort of formulating their game plan. But to see it sort of play out in real time with um, the crowd, especially in that fourth game, actually, um, the crowd sort of celebrating the wicket when, when Shah Massoud was trapped LBW because he couldn't, he, he was out of rhythm and trying to hit everything for four and couldn't get it off the square. And then 
to to see the yeah a celebration for a Pakistan player uh, being dismissed and then a sort of sudden you know gasp of of air, um, sudden intake of breath when Kushdil Shah came out instead of Asif Ali and then getting accused of being a parchy, which I think loosely translates um, someone who's risen to their status through nepotism rather than through merit, um, which, you know, seemed, seemed incredibly unfair for a young guy making his way in international cricket to be getting that sort of reception. But then, and then, you know, when he was out, you then had Asif Ali come in and hit two sixes and three balls, I think, at the end and um, everyone going completely wild for him and chanting his name and, um, yeah, to sort of experience that um, that atmosphere, I think, particularly in Karachi, we are, we were actually stationed up on the roof of the press box, um, which which meant that we had the sort of opportunity to soak in the atmosphere a lot more than you usually do behind a glass wall. Um, so yeah, to sort of there are a few moments that will stick with me. I think particularly Baba reaching his hundred as well in the second game. Um, uh, also, Dahani setting off in celebration is always a good one, um, particularly <laughs> particularly when he's actually got someone out because that wasn't always the case during the series. Um, but when he, got, I think he took two wickets and two balls in the second game, um, and yeah, that was a, a pretty loud roar, comparable to sort of only I think being being there for a Premier League goal um, in the last minute and uh, some of those those roars. Uh, yeah, that's probably the sort of level we were on decibel wise. Excellent. Well, we will uh, we will recap some of those th- uh, thrills and spills because it was a, a series full of it. Uh, as you say, some trepidation at doing a seven match series, but it, it kept its interest uh, all the way to the very end. Um, we had last over finishes, we had tall totals, we had some low scoring um, dog fights, had a ten wicket win chasing two hundred. Um, Moeen Ali was captain throughout, Matt, um, with with Joss Butler watching on from the sidelines. Um, he is one of those players that you will expect to have back in Australia for the for the World Cup. Um, there'll be a few other changes of personnel and conditions, uh, but this was pretty good practice, uh, I guess you'd say, for a um, you know a, a global event. Yeah, I think um, there was obviously you, you know conditions will be quite different between the two. I think it was quite notable. Um, how how sort of low the bounce was throughout the series. I think um, certain games in particular, I remember one one ball, uh, Mohamed Hasnain bowled to Will Jacks, which uh, took the top of his off stump and I think was probably pitched about seven or eight metres from the stumps. Um, so that, that will be obviously completely different in Australia. But I think England in particular uh, took quite a lot out of the series in terms of um, what are sort of commonly referred to as learnings now. Um <laughs> So Harry Brook in particular, I guess, was the most obvious one in that he you know, wasn't sure of his place in the uh, first game of the T20 World Cup at all heading into that tour. I think he was most likely going to be one of two spare batters, but um, looks pretty much nailed on now. A real sort of breakthrough tour for him. Uh, consistency from number five is pretty hard to gain in T20 cricket, but um, to have ended, ended the tour as England's leading run scorer was... Um, pretty special achievement and some of the I think the manner of it as much as anything the sort of the the arrogance of his you know lofted extra cover drives um chipping over the infield or sometimes just uh, you know nailing it 90 meters for six over extra cover is incredibly hard shot to play but um he makes it look very easy and clearly has a very high cricketing IQ um and then in terms of the bowling I think um the the key thing really was um sort of making sure that um Chris Wokes and Mark Wood came through okay and came back into the setup after a long time out. Neither of them have played a T20 since the, uh, or had played a T20 since the semi-final against uh, New Zealand of the last World Cup, as far as I can recall. So 
for them to both come back and make a good impression. Wood in particular bowling absolute rockets um, was was pretty promising. And I think England, yeah, took a decent amount out of the series. Um, I think they obviously are welcome back. Butler, Stokes, Livingston and Jordan over the next week or so in Australia building up to the tournament. But I think they will feel relatively confident about how their preparation is looking after a, you know, let's be honest, a pretty, pretty poor white ball summer at home. Um, Pakistan, I don't think, actually learned very much at all. I think, you know, they found out that um, their batting is very reliant on Fabrizam and Mohamed Rizwan. You know, who knew that? And uh, that Harris Ralph was a class apart from the rest of their attack, um, given that they didn't have Shaheen free through injury, um, which was also pretty obvious before the series, but um, I suppose confirmed during it. So, um, yeah, I felt like it was one way England got more out of it, but... Um, then again, Pakistan have, you know, they within hours of the final game were on a flight to New Zealand for a tri-series and have already played a game in that at the time of recording. So um, there's plenty of opportunities to keep learning. Yes, more learnings, uh, more more games to come. I mean, uh, in England playing three T20I series in Australia before the tournament. And I think England and Pakistan play again in a warm-up game uh, before uh, their, their first um, fixtures in what is... Um, the second stage of, of the tournament uh, obviously have the sort of qualifier round um, which isn't a qualifier round but you know feels that way um, Miller this was I mean various uh, reasons it was notable but it was England's first um, first major uh, sort of victory under Butler and Mott um, uh, first victory at all, I think, because um, Owen Morgan was still in charge, wasn't he, during the Netherlands uh, trip? Uh, first T Twenty I series win since since the middle of twenty twenty one bilateral series, and um, I mean, it kind of, uh, although Josh Butler wasn't in charge uh, uh, really uh, on the field, uh, it was Moeen pulling the strings. But it kind of important to get some momentum, get get a well, although if momentum can exist in, in this format where uh, England sort of went from bossing it one game to uh, you know. Com- be being uh, upstaged by Baba and Rizwan in the next one, um, but yeah, a victory, a series victory, lots of positive points as Matt's uh, touched on coming out of the series, and and I, and I guess a bit more optimism going into the World Cup, where um, you know there's, there's kind of a sense over the last twelve months or so that England's white ball momentum was beginning to perhaps dissipate you know some of that world cup winning generation the team that got to the final in 2016 were beginning to retire or or, or you know or be dropped as in the case of Jason Roy obviously Johnny Bairstow is not there through injury um but they they they've, they've sort of you know can go uh, into into the tournament into the the next few games in in Perth and Canberra with a a real sort of spring in their step yeah i think so i mean it's it's, it's fascinating isn't it just just the i think there it was necessary just to have a win, a series win of some sort, just to draw a line in the sand. I, I, you know, you can overstate it. I think in T Twenty in particular, obviously the the world the uh, the World Cup win than fifty over format was probably a very different dynamic for England. They they made a made a virtue of winning pretty much everything and then being number one in the world and and getting used to the pressure of everybody going for them and still coming out on the top and ultimately learning that way was the way to do it. T20 just, you know, obviously with the with the growth of the of the franchise game and 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 the and the fact that pretty much everybody is sort of T20 minded in this this day and age, it's slightly different I think, but just to get get that collective win on the board was important and also just to as you say draw a line under the under the uh the Morgan era and I don't think we've really talked about it because it, it kind of fell between pods, but the recall of Alex Hales uh, I thought was a crucial 
line in the sand moment, regardless of 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 whether you think he's succeeded or not. I mean, I still think he's probably uh, the obvious person to open with Butler, even though Salt technically produced the most outstanding innings of of among the openers on this on this trip. But just to pick him and say, you know what? What has gone before now no longer counts towards how we line this team up. It made it possible to, you know, then go down the route of, you know, Harry Brook and saying, you know, Harry Brook, go go for your life because you're not just here as a as a as a as a as a placeholder for Ben Stokes. You're here to prove that you can be the man. And Liam Livingston is likewise having to look over his shoulder a little bit. You'd have thought a few weeks ago that he was an obvious guy to come straight back in, but. There, there are enough guys, even Ben Duckett. I mean, as you say, the conditions probably won't suit him sweeping every ball. But uh, I mean, the, the the form and the and the and the strike rate that he produced, you can't quibble with the returns. And and these guys are guys who have toured the world, know the conditions around the world, will be able to slot into different formats in different conditions in, in very easily. And you know, again, it comes down to. I think I said previously that you know, I thought England were actually quite unlucky with the fact that the the two T Twenty World Cups got switched around. The the the, the India one came or, or UAE as it turned out came first, and then Australia. Because I always felt that England in Australia with that World Cup winning team would be a really really strong chance to to uh, make make a double and and win win a T Twenty World Cup. Just you know I don't know we've seen the seen in the last few days a couple of extraordinary shots. Out in Australia, Carl Myers is God knows what it was uppercut for six over mm-hmm. extra cover, and then this morning, your David Warner basically forward defence for six straight into the sight screen. I mean, those two shots to me sum up the the fundamental difference that we're going to get when we get to Australia is that the ball is going to come onto these bats. The ball is going to come onto these bats and ping off them in a way that simply does not do on the low slow wickets in in Pakistan. So someone like David, David Milan, for instance, who had a tough time. Uh, but it's still for me a lock at number three on those pitches because you know the ball coming onto Darwin Milan's bat is going to ping off through the covers and ping off off his hip over square leg in in a way that it or mid mid wicket in a way that it doesn't on on those other pitches. So to to get back to the point, yes, I think that England because their batting has been absolutely front and center of not only that T20 win and you know pushing the envelope with with the with the nearly 500 runs scores that, that they that they've started to put together um but also just the the weight of next generation batsmen coming through who have seen this seen these guys being world beaters by by playing an attacking game those guys are now getting that chance to come into this team largely thanks to the the sort of line in the sand that was drawn um in the summer saying you know what we, we, it is time to move on from Jason Roy. Owen Morgan's obviously gone. Um, we, 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 we need to. Well, Joss Butler is is not gone, but you know it, there's a real opportunity to to stake your claim in the absence of such big guns. And an awful lot of people have done that. Um, so you know Matt will doubtless have have have, have further further to say about the, quite how how they marry up the, the the new findings and the old legends such as Ben Stokes to come back in. But uh, you know at least. In, as they say, it's a good problem to have going into a World Cup, whereas previously, for the past 18 months in white ball cricket, England haven't had many good problems. They've had an awful lot of um, quite worrying ones. <laughs> um, well, yes, the, the, those um, those tricky problems, I'm sure, will be back around at some point. But at the moment, yeah, lots of options. Um, Matt's, you mentioned Harry Brooks' player, the series performance, 237 runs, uh, strike rate of 163 
likened to A.B. de Villiers, no less, uh, by Mark Wood, I think it was. Uh, and Shield Berry of the Telegraph, Telegraph called him England's first 360-degree batter, uh, which I thought, you know, I thought was possibly a bit harsh on someone like Kevin Peterson. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, lots of praise coming his way. Ben Duckett it, it, um, was very impressive. He isn't even in this World Cup squad. Um, Phil Salt pushed his case uh, as the uh, potential opening partner for Butler. Obviously, Butler's fitness is a bit of a question mark. And, and, and we'll come on to that, I guess. that if, if all the pieces are going to fall into place for England, uh, Matt, they do. They do need... Butler's calf to be all right, you'd think, um, and uh, and Mark Wood uh, was kept in cotton wool to a degree through uh, that Pakistan tour. Played two of the seven games. Um, obviously, hadn't played a senior uh, game of cricket, senior team appearance since the uh, test. Uh, I think it was the Antigua test in March. So um, you know, you completely understand that approach. Um, yeah, clocked at sort of ninety six or seven miles an hour in one of the one of the games in Karachi. Um, so he, you know, that's clearly a big part of their their armory. Uh, talking about the the pitches in Australia as well, and quick and bouncy. Then, um, then you'd expect Mark Wood to uh, to be a key weapon. Um, and Liam Livingston as well, who's joining up with the squad, um, hasn't played since I th- I think sort of mid August and rolled his ankle. So there are there are one or two questions, but but you're beginning to get a sense of what their ideal eleven is going to be, uh, and their well we know what their approach is um, in terms of attacking. Um, Cricket, although it does seem the mantra coming out of the side at the moment is 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 smart cricket, um, uh, seems to be what sort of the the Mott Butler kind of uh, um, approach is. Although quite how that differs from you know um, just winning uh, in the manner that Morgan's team tended to do, I don't know exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the the two uh, the two most concerning performances of that were the two tight defeats in a row where England sort of failed to chase middling scores. I don't think they were too too worried about um, the game where Baba and Rizwan put on 200. I think that's one of those things that can happen. I think they didn't bowl brilliantly and uh, Moeen probably shouldn't have bowled the over. He did bowl and got whacked for 21. But, um, you know, it's kind of one of those games which I think they wrote off pretty quickly, I think not least because I think they had won 24 hours later, which they won. Um which always helps. Um, but yeah, in terms of the sort of how the team fits together, I think heading into that tour, the big question, as I saw it, was um, sort of whether they were going to go extra batter or extra bowler, which was basically, this is from the World Cup squad. So that was going to be whether they had Brooke playing in the middle order, along with Livingston and Moe and sort of carded loosely at six and seven, but able to move up and down. Um, versus not having Brooke, having Livingston and Moeen carded at five and six, and then having Sam Curran as the extra all-rounder at seven. I think with the way Brooks played, um, or, or, yeah, the way Brook played across the series, I, I think it's almost certain that they'll go with the extra batter, which does mean that um, it does sort of change things slightly, and does mean they might end up um, using Stokes or Livingston or Moeen as bowlers a little bit more than they might have intended. Those guys will probably share the fifth bowler quota, I think. Um, Basically, as I see it, it'll be Butler with one of Hales and Salt. I think Hales is the favourite. I agree with Miller. I think he's, um, you know, even having not played international cricket for so long and not had the, not had the most, um, you know, not, not had the most fluent series in Pakistan. I think he struggled a, a little bit at times. Um, I think he's the obvious pick there. I think Milan, I agree, will be the lock at number three, especially on bouncy pitches. He's sort of. Looks to have evolved this year, even at, at the age of 34 or 35, he's sort of starting faster, which was sort of my big criticism for a while. And um, looks sort of, I, I think, 
it looks like Australia should suit him. Stokes Mott has said pretty pretty clearly will be Carlo at number four. We'll be trying to give you know he'll effectively substrate in for Duckett. Then Brooke Livingston Moeen five to seven. Um, and then in the bowling attack it'll be Wood if fit, Rashid, and two of the other seamers will play in a particular team, which I think. You know, my first choice off the top of my head would probably be Topley and Jordan, but I can see a good case for Wokes. Curran bowled pretty well in Pakistan. Um, Willie sort of looks like the, the spare man at the moment, but with various injuries kicking around, as mentioned, um, you know, it's it's quite often the case that you can sort of spend a long time looking at what England's strongest eleven might be, but it might well be that there's never actually a game where everyone in the squad is fully available and fit and fresh and ready to go. Um, so the key thing is that they will have a few um, fast bowling options to rotate through, and that um, in the event Livingston is a bit undercooked, you know it's a pretty good, pretty good option to have Sam Curran to sort of sub in for him um, if push comes to shove. So I think England, are, I think they've developed their plans a little bit over this series. I think they're a little bit clearer on who's going to be where um, in that World Cup team, and I think. You know, Moeen said after the, the final game, he saw them as third favourites effectively behind uh, India and Australia. And I, I feel like that's probably about right. Um, one of my big takeaways from the last World Cup, having seen, you know, having seen England absolutely hammer Australia and then Australia string together four wins and win the whole thing, is that the format, both T20 and the nature of the, the World Cup, lends itself to um, a certain level of volatility. So it, it, it's definitely not the case that the best team is always going to win. Mm. Um, but I think England are in the, the pool of contenders that if everything goes right over a couple of weeks, um, they could do it. I mean, as uh, anyone who followed um, Essex to their 2019 <laughs> blast uh, <laughs> success will recognise it's just about getting on a roll of form at the right time. Um <laughs> Miller, one thing we we have learned, um, uh, and which will I, I guess we'll we'll start seeing how that um, fits together over the next uh, few games, is that Ben Stokes will bat at number four, um, or he's considered a top four batter by by Joss Butler and 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 uh, and Matthew Mott. Um, he hasn't played a T Twenty international since March twenty twenty one. I think the India. Tour. I think his last T Twenty appearance was in the hundred um, last summer. Um, I mean, it's it, <laughs> hard to kind of um, ever suggest that it's a gamble, you know, going in with Ben Stokes in any sort of um, uh, you know sense of sort of destructive batting position. But um, it it is a bit of a, a an ask for him to get up to speed. And, and, and I mean, number four, one of the hardest roles in in. Uh, a T20 lineup, arguably, given the sort of variance in in um, what you might have to do when you come in when the, the when the wicket falls, um, but uh, I mean, one would expect Stokes to uh, attack it uh, the the challenge, uh, you know, in his um, in his usual manner. Yeah, I mean, it is a curious one, isn't it? I mean, I think we we all have reached a sort of consensus about Stokes over the years that you know, without wishing to denigrate his his shortest form game, it's not his strongest suit. He, he you know, he's a Test batter, he's a, he's an ODI batter, and in T Twenty, he's never quite found the tempo that that others can because because he you know, as we've seen from Headingley being the classic example in the World Cup final, likewise. The longer he gets in, the longer he spends sort of playing with a really straight bat and uh, and making sure that you know the ball is really pinging off the middle of that bat, the more destructive he can be. And so clearly, he's not a guy who's going to come in and and blaze it from the outside. And if he does, 
it's almost a bit like um a bit like the way he was going about his batting in in the summer of in the test team isn't it it's just you know he almost came out came out the the blocks blazing so hard because he wanted to keep up the momentum that is that his gung ho top order basketballers had, had had laid down and actually I, I think he sort of undersold himself in the way that he went about his batting in the test team because he was trying to go too hard too soon but having said all of that i mean the the, the one the one fundamental truth of Ben Stokes is he is a huge match player. He is a huge presence. He, you know, mindset has been the mantra for England in his test team all summer. And nobody has got a mindset quite like Ben Stokes when he wants to, when he wants to succeed, he generally finds a way to. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it would be splitting hairs in a really strange direction to suggest that including Ben Stokes is, is in any way a weakness in a team. Any, any guy any team in the world is saying, you know, you've got Ben Stokes as an option to, to throw into your into your best lineup. Would you take him? I mean, I don't know many teams that wouldn't. Um, it, it, it's a question of where. I mean, number four, it, fine, go for it. I mean, it was obviously, you know, Johnny Bairstow would have has has done that role quite well in the past, although he was slated, I think, to go up to open until uh, until his injury. So it's it, it is a it is an area that England have never quite. Um, completely nailed, and in, in that you know they've 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 found people to shoehorn into that position. And no, no one really wants it. Everyone wants to bat in, in the top three, essentially, and ideally bat number one because you know the longer you longer you see the see the ball, the longer you hit the ball. Um, but I I fail to see, I fail to see a, a coherent way in which you can suggest that Stokes' inclusion is a bad thing. Um, but yeah, it's been a it has been a long while since he's played. T20 of any sort. Uh, so let's well, let's just wait and see see what happens in these in these opening games against Australia and the Pakistan warm up. And uh, if if his mind is where you suspect it probably is after the summer that he's had, uh, in terms of the leadership of the Test team and the desire to just to make up for lost time. You know, bear in mind, you know the the, the amount of cricket he's missed, including in Australia, over the, over previous years. Uh, this is a real stage for him. And um, uh, there's nothing nothing he generally likes better than a stage on which to uh, prove his best point. Matt, you, um, you looked as if you wanted to dissent there at one point. <laughs> no, not at all. I just I, I, I kind of wanted to just take up one of the points Miller was saying about, um, you know, I've just been I've just finished reading Ed Smith's book. Um, and obviously Ed Smith's time as England selector was sort of widely um, associated with the use of data. But one of the sort of key messages that actually comes out of a lot of um, his sort of thought process behind selection, for me at least, maybe it stood out because it wasn't what I was expecting, was just him sort of stripping things back a lot of the time and um, taking the sort of fairly, fairly, I suppose, simple um, mantra into into some decisions, thinking who would the who would the opposition rather see walking out here, and if the if the choice in that scenario is sort of you know for example Phil Salt batting out of position or um, you know. Uh, a young buck in Sam Curran, age 23, with, you know, obviously a great T20 record and IPL experience behind him and all that sort of thing, versus Ben Stokes. I think, you know, almost no opposition is ever going to want to see Stokes walking out in, in, a, in any given situation in the T20 World Cup, knowing his track record of um, performing so brilliantly in the knockout stages last in, in 2019 uh, in the 50 over tournament. So I think it, it was quite an interesting sort of thing to read. Um, I thought sort of, yeah, stripping selection back. And I think when you 
you know, obviously T20 is a, a simple game that often becomes very complicated um, due to the sort of analysis industry around it. But when you strip things back like that, I think it's it's pretty difficult to argue against Stokes's inclusion, despite the fact he does have this, you know, modest record in T20 internationals. But I think, you know, Mott was pretty clear the other day saying he sees that the main reason for that being the fact that he's never had a clear role. And if you look through his T20 record with the bat, it's entirely true. You know, he spent a lot of time batting at seven. There's been the odd innings at three. There's been some at five and six. And he's been in and out of the team for forever, really, because of the fact it's never really been a format that's been prioritised for him. So, um, yeah, I think that the key thing for England is to just try and groove him into that role over the next couple of weeks, make clear what they expect of him. He'll know what they expect of him as well, having been around the, the 50 over setup for as long as he has. And yeah, I think um, it's, it, I, I'm not guaranteeing it'll work by any means, but I think it's a pretty, pretty sound selection. And just uh, just a final point on Stokes. I mean, in, 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 there are two, two points of that. Just uh... In some ways, it's almost it's almost kind of a little bit like a West Indian sort of selection in that, you know, the big guns generally have not played bilateral T20 tournaments. Then suddenly back they come, the, the old guard get rolled out for the main events. And to look at West Indies record down the years, um, generally the gold guard know what to do in main events. And talking of which, bear in mind that he missed the last T20 World Cup, you know, Stokes' last memory of a T20 World Cup is what happened at Kolkata in 2016. So again, if ever, you know, ever you wanted an opportunity to just lay a ghost or ten, and Stokes has done spent most of his career laying ghosts. Let's face it, um, that's that's one very very significant spectre that I'm sure he will have personal issues with. So, um, and all the more reason to suspect that he will be as up for this tournament as 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 he possibly could be. And therefore, if his mind's in the right place, which is what we've been talking about all summer, uh, the rest will probably follow. Uh, I think what you're saying there is give him the final over in the first uh, game back. <laughs> uh, Essentially not, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, uh, Matt, well, um, one of the, the, the sort of enduring um, themes of the, of the tour uh, in Pakistan was kind of this contrast in, in approaches. Um, you're welcome to keep your counsel uh, on... Babaran Rizwan, or, or commit sacrilege if you like, but um, uh, I mean, in, England obviously take take a more uh, well, I want to say modern approach in terms of you know spending their resources, um, uh, you know, and going hard throughout. We saw that in, I think it was the fourth T twenty I when uh, I mean, and you wrote about it in, in terms of Pakistan kind of overvaluing um, a wicket and, and and England doing the opposite um, and and getting to the brink of victory through um, Liam Dawson of all people uh, and then and then having it snatched away from them. Um, did, were there any signs of kind of uh, nuance that you um, uh, that you picked up on? I mean, I certainly took the the fact that England chose to bat first um, at least once, um, which they had done uh, zero times. I think between twenty sixteen and Mo- and Morgan's and Morgan's retirement. Um, and, and and England actually made a virtue of batting first uh, a couple of times where, you know, whereby that uh, attacking hard throughout meant, meant they got up to that above par score uh, and they handed, well, so they, they, they both uh, gave Pakistan, um, inflicted sort of the highest, two, two of the three highest totals Pakistan have ever conceded in T20Is. 
uh, and two of their heaviest defeats. Um, so, I mean, obviously, good signs for England. But um, are the uh, are kind of the the, uh, the is there some are there some uh, nuances to uh, to the kind of all guns blazing uh, England model? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, clearly, England's. Um, you know, I think they have a higher ceiling than Pakistan, but probably a lower floor as well. I think, um, you know, England, are, as we saw throughout the summer, much more likely to be bowled out for 120 than Pakistan because of the fact that Pakistan have, um, you know, two openers whose whole game is about setting things up for the bowling attack, really. Um, and Pakistan, I would say at full strength in particular, have a stronger bowling attack than England do. If you think the possibility of having Shaheen and Harris Rauf charging in in the power play, um, that's pretty pretty imposing as, as new ball um, pairs come. And then obviously you can chuck Naseem Shah into that as well. He, he didn't um, play very much at all in the series due to um, illness, but it's a, it sort of showed how, um, show the extent to which he's a star boy during the, during the Asia cup. Um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting contrast between the approaches. And I, I thought, um, you know, it, it's, one of those where I think you can't necessarily say just because of the series result, one is right and one is wrong. Um, I think a lot of Pakistan supporters, the impression I get is that people would sort of prefer Pakistan to play slightly more like England. But I think there are times where, uh, you know, England's management would like them to play slightly more like Pakistan, like in a couple of, in both of those run chases where they had narrow defeats. I think um, if, if they'd kept slightly more wickets in hand early on and had a slightly more... Um, you know, if they'd occupied the crease slightly longer, they for the top order, they probably would have won both games. Um, so yeah, I think the the interesting with Pakistan, I think basically it's sort of a, a self perpetuating problem with the two at the top, where the the criticism is that they're they're occasionally too cautious, um, and, and I think there are you know there are nuances in it. In that I don't think they're ever going to be the the quite often in cricket when we have debates about players it's about selection whereas those two you know they're never going to be dropped the question is could they improve slightly could they go slightly harder immediately after the power play does Babar have a certain weakness against you know high pace or leg spin or whatever it happens to be um but basically those those two are so stable um that the middle order it uh, their returns are even more volatile than most middle order players because of the fact they have so few balls to face um, you know, England's Eng- England's leading run scorer in the series was Harry Brook from number five, whereas Pakistan's number fives hardly faced a ball in the series between them because um, whenever they did go out, they were told to try and hit sixes as soon as possible, effectively. Um, so it's it, and then that means that inherently the middle orders returns are even more volatile, which means that Baba and Rizwan think, well, we can't trust the middle order, so we have to do this all ourselves. So it's quite hard to get out of that cycle. Um, but then again, if you look at the player pool Pakistan have. They don't have, you know, that many middle order batters with a great track record in T20 cricket around the world. And they have two openers with very, very good um, records in terms of churning out runs, not always at 200 strike rate, not always a sort of 100 or 50 balls, but both very, very good, um, solid players who are, um, who have a sort of, you know, incredible understanding. I think um, after one game, I think maybe after the, the 200 chase they were saying that you know at times they don't even have to call call for runs because of the the fact that they have this sort of telepathic understanding as as to whether they can get back for two in particular spots um so yeah i don't know basically i think pakistan try as hard as they can to play to their strengths they have a certain player pool um and they they see their method as the, as the one that 
um, utilizes the players they have most efficiently, um, which is really what you're looking to do in international cricket. I think in terms of heading into a World Cup, I don't think they're. I think they're slightly behind England in terms of the pecking order. But again, you know, if they rock up and those two have a good day against India and South Africa in the group stage, suddenly they win the group and they're two wins away from lifting the trophy. So, um, yeah, it's I I I think there's a certain amount of doom and gloom among Pakistan fans about T Twenty cricket, but I I I don't think it's at all impossible that they could you know end up lifting the trophy. And I don't think it's at all impossible they could go home with two wins in the whole group stage. So yeah, um, I mean, it's, it strikes me. In fact, in it just probably more an outcome than the than input. It strikes me a little bit like the sort of method that, that New Zealand utilised in the fifty over World Cup to to get to the final and bloody nearly win it. Insofar as you know, had Kane Williamson was kind of the barometer. Every single innings that he played was exactly the tempo that would give his bowlers a chance to win. He wasn't going to go above it. And risk blowing up, but equally, more often than not, not least in the final, you you find that you think that 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 two two forty sort of chase, oh, that's going to be a cakewalk, and actually you realise, oh really, okay, yeah, they 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 they've actually played this more cannily than uh, than perhaps we thought, gave them credit for at the time, and you know there's a lot of that with um I think um Bubba at the toss, pretty much every day at the toss of the series is saying yeah we 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 think one sixty one seventy is defendable, it's like really. And often, you know, if Harris Ralph gets on a roll and, you know, start, you know, the spinners through the middle start, start choking your runs and suddenly, oh, yeah, OK, I see, I see where you're coming from. I mean, obviously, it didn't always work, but on occasions it does work. The, the less is more approach does, does actually have, have, have dividends, especially when, as, as, we, as we both acknowledge, um, you know, that, that bowling attack that Pakistan has got is potent and at the drop of a hat, they can just they can turn it on in the in the typical way that Pakistan do as as proven in game four. I mean that was just a absolute classic example of of Pakistan out Pakistaning themselves at, at, at the at the end of end of a, an incredible encounter. And certainly out Pakistaning England. Um, <laughs> just before we we move on from uh, from Pakistan, all things Pakistan, England do go back there in a in a few weeks' time. Um, Perhaps um, Miller might Ben Duckett find his way onto a test tour. We know that Moeen Ali won't be going, um, as he has, has subsequently ruled himself out. But any other pointers for uh, for when they go back in white, sir? Yeah, well, it's interesting on that on, the, on that on that front. I mean, I, I wonder I wonder if Liam Livingston could be a bolter for the, for that tour simply because of the because of the opportunities that you know presented by someone who can who can spin the ball and be be an all rounder. I don't know. England will will need an extra spinner, won't they? Uh, let's let's face it. it, it, it you know, Moeen, Moeen was. Uh, yeah, will, will Jacks, I think, put his hand up. Uh, he did. Yeah, when, yeah. When will, will Jacks definitely put his hand point, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But no, go back to your original point. Ben Duckett, I think, is a is a really really solid shout. I mean, Matt did 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 the did the piece with him uh, last week, sort of saying uh, it's funny how people say I can't play spin, and basically it all seems to derive. I think he got he got stitched up by one of the Bangladesh spinners in that in that. Uh, in that ten wickets in 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 a session collapse in 2016, and has kind of had his his um his cards be marked ever since. Um, but I mean the way that he played on 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 those pitches and you know sweeping absolutely everything and nailing every single one. I mean that's that has surely got got um got uh, the the Baz eyes lit up uh, the possibilities. Of, uh, you know again going back to the end of the summer and the fact that Stokes and McCullum were both. 
just a little bit reticent about about giving their full backing to the team that they've given their full backing to all summer long. Obviously, Lees and Crawley at the top of the order being case in point there. I I don't know. I I still think that Crawley on those pitches could be could could have fun. I I wonder if uh, Crawley and Duckett might actually be the be the more dynamic pairing to to fit in with with England's new approach. Uh, and and give give Lee's a, a quiet winter off, saying thanks for your service. But um, yeah, we're going to try something else here because you know they, 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 I think there are there is room for for improvement and room for tinkering, and there has to be. Frankly, I think that was kind of one of the one of the sort of things that was acknowledged all summer long was that you know if we are to encourage the the guys further down the pecking order that this is the way we want you to play and this is the way that we're going to make Test cricket interesting again and this is how the county championship has, has serves a purpose for the England team, then people lower down the pecking order have got to be given the, the opportunity to, to have a good summer and get given the call as a consequence of it. Um, so I think it would be prudent for the, the long-term evolution of this, of this England basketball era if they, if they are willing to tinker at the fringes and, and, and give opportunity uh, where where required and you know keeping Jennings another another case in point he's had an incredible summer um, uh, and you know we've mentioned Ed Smith once already but obviously he was one of Ed Smith's marquee picks back in the day as a guy who would probably tear it up in subcontinental conditions in a way that uh, other batsmen couldn't uh, and vice versa possibly but uh, he's obviously had a great summer and um, again if you were going simply by by that sort of uh, uh, you know the, the the evidence of what you've achieved in 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 the summer is is goes towards your England selection. Then then he's another guy. He's his, surely uh, um, front runner. His skills under the lid might not go amiss uh, as well mm. in those conditions. Um, Matt, uh, while while you were out in Pakistan, I'm sure the uh, the ripples uh, found found their way um, from Lords all the way to to Karachi and Lahore. The woman cad um, incident in the final ODI, um, Julian Goswami's swan song after a 20 year career. Uh, I'm uh, I'm guessing that they're thereafter all all press conferences uh, certainly with England players involved getting their thoughts on. Um, uh, well, uh, running out, uh, being run out, backing up rather uh, than uh, to take Vinu's name uh, in vain. But um, what, 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 you can both go here and you know feel free to jump in. But um, you know it is the uh, topic to nos jaws again, it, uh, as every time it, it happens, it is. Um, should Charlie Dean just have been watching the the ball out of the hand? Um, is Joss Butler right to say that he would never, you know, he would recall someone if it happened in a World Cup final? Oh, I, <laughs> I, I feel like we've. I feel like it's um, it, it's so long since it happened. It felt like the the news cycle was endless in the in the week after, didn't it? You know, suddenly, um, it, you know, hearing Will Jax's thoughts in uh, Lahore on whether he would ever run a non-striker out backing up. I thought, my goodness, this is, this feels a bit, um, unnecessary, but yeah, I, I don't know. I personally, I didn't, didn't love it as an end to a game, but then I, I didn't see everything that happened in the build up to it. Um, Peter Dillapena did. You know, so. clearly, yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly, clearly Dean was, um, you know, stealing a few yards. She shouldn't have been. I don't know whether there was a warning, India said there was Knight, who wasn't playing, but presumably has the has her ear in the dressing room. Said there wasn't. Um, 
it's one of those. It didn't, I, I didn't feel, didn't feel great to me. Um, didn't necessarily, I, I didn't look at that and think what a great way to win a game, but then, um, I don't really have the answer to, um, how you avoid it being a, a part of the laws and maybe, you know, we should just accept that it is and get on with it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a, I think it's it, personally. I think the much more enjoyable stuff is, for example, when um, Shadab Khan sort of fainted to do it yeah. at, at Harry Brook um, during the fifth or sixth game in Lahore. Um, I, I thought that was quite enjoyable, and everyone sort of shared a smile and a laugh about it. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I really don't know. I think everything that gets proposed about um, that particular law doesn't seem to sort of, uh, you know, seem that viable. Um, I don't hate the idea at, at the top level of. The third umpire maybe giving a, a warning straight away if they if they're checking for no balls and someone's a repeat offender. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's 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 one of those that it, we just, I think we probably just have to accept that it's going to happen every eighteen months or so, and there's going to be a week or two of outrage about it, and then it'll die down for a while, and everyone will move on with their lives. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Miller might Miller might disagree. I think well, I, my, I think my... Amelia Kerr was asked about it overnight in. Uh, <laughs> uh, um... The West Indies, I think that was. Uh, um, but yeah, Miller, is, is it, does it boil down to, as was being suggested on Twitter uh, the other day, a cultural thing? Uh, is it, you know, English English people are raised not to run out uh, non-strikers uh, while they're backing up and um, other parts of the yes. world? <laughs> yes, it does. But, but, but the way that it has been spun by the likes of Harsha Bogley is just... Is just bogus nonsense i mean it's it's nothing to do with colonialism it's not it's it's it culture is not all about colonialism culture is playing gully cricket you can't just say that oh i played gully cricket i know how to play cricket have you ever played village cricket you played village cricket play it slightly differently but ultimately it's the same game you know somehow you know the the, the, the kind of part, part of the point of playing international cricket is to blend cultures and you sort of have meetings of meetings of mind and you understand that you know we going back to the point we had right at the top of the discussion, going out to Pakistan and seeing Pakistan in the flesh for what it really really is, rather than the rather than the the, the the dubious nonsense that gets gets spouted about it down the years, is far more healthy than than just pontificating about, about distant events that uh, that that basically stem from slight cultural, not colonial uh, differences in mindset. Um, but I have one simple solution for this. Stay in your sodding crease. It can't be that difficult. All you, all you do, you know, the ball's not going to suddenly yo-yo in the jazz beat Bumrah. Not even him can, can sort of yo-yo the ball back into his hand after releasing it. And therefore, when the ball has left the hand, it's safe to leave your crease. I mean, that is surely the simple way to avoid the issue. Um, beyond that, I mean, we could, we could blether on about it forever. I don't think there is any way to not have it as a law. Uh, I also think that England's um, doubling down on the, oh we would never do that is is self defeating in 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 all honesty. I think uh, you know it's not not going to take not going to take much for someone to get antagonistic on England at a key point of a future tournament, probably a World Cup final or semi final knockout, and you know start goading them maybe back up six metres outside the crease saying, you know what, you're going to run me out? Go on then. Go on, you say you'd never do it. Are you going to call me back? I'm going to, I'm going to steal half a run here and, and win the match for you. I mean, it's just, it's just grandstanding nonsense to say that you would not use the law to your advantage if you could see that teams were taking the piss, frankly. Um, so that's one side of it. And, and the, other, the other side is, you know, what, hap- what happens if, you know, 
if England just don't pay attention, if England just keep doing what they were doing, leaving the crease, what is it, Charlie Eames 72 out of 73 times, and I think uh, you know, Harry, Harry Brook was, was up, to it, up to it as well, according to PDP. You know, if England don't learn, if England just think that, you know, we're going to keep tempting fate in this way, and it keeps happening, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the more often it happens, the more stupid you are. And, you know, it's happened twice to Joss Butler already in his career. <laughs> you'd have thought, you know, you'd have learned, you'd have learned once in, a, in an international game. Like, okay, fine. I, 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 won't, I won't do that again. Oh, no, he's done it again in an IPL. Is he going to do it again in the World Cup final? I mean, I, I, that would just that would strike me as a as a team that's not willing to learn, frankly. Um, <laughs> so the fact that this has happened on a, on, on at Lords of all places is fantastic in so many ways because it it it, it skewers the the pomp that that you know Lord, Lords is the home of home of the laws of cricket, it's the home of the spirit of cricket, and you know the one thing that Dipti Sharma's efforts did there was to prick the pomposity there. That's not the same thing as as sort of planting a flag and saying we 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 are the colonial masters now. So on your bike, it's it, it, I think I think that's over extrapolating, but I don't think it would hurt for it to be just accepted that man cadding or whatever you want to call it, uh, woman cadding, um, running out backing up is a thing that happens in professional sport where there is a lot at stake, and if you're not willing to accept that that you know. There is a danger of this happening, and just carry on blase thing. And you know, I, I don't, I don't care uh, for the law as it stands, or I'm just going to stand my ground on the spirit of the game. Um, I'm afraid that that's that's misguided. The best thing about the spirit of the game, as far as I'm concerned, is the fact that Charlie Dean went up to Dipti Sharma and shook her hand straight afterwards. Fine, you 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 did me. I, you know, life goes on. We, we you win win some, lose some, and you suspect that she is going to learn a lesson, even if even if others won't. Well, she, yes, stay in the crease. That'll be one that uh, that Charlie Dean remembers, and she uh, poked fun at, of course, the following day in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint final. Yeah, slightly more enjoyable topic, topic, and and one we'll finish on. But um, Matt, the the final day of the county championship, um, I'm sure you were on the stream out there in. Uh, in Lahore, um, obviously Surrey had wrapped up the title the week before, but we did have some uh, some drama for the ages. Miller was ball by balling it. Liam Norwell's in- incredible nine for um, Warwickshire stayed up by the skin of their teeth. A five run win, uh, two two wickets claimed with uh, yeah uh, um, just six needed for Hampshire, and it relegated Yorkshire. Um, it's another classic from the from the Champo files. Yeah, it was. Um, I was actually watching the stream for the last couple of wickets. It was one of those strange things where um, the sort of touring press back had all it, we'd we'd organised a time and a place to be at dinner, but um, all being, you know, it, tragic cricket badgers and nerds were all actually following the championship while we were sat down, and then someone realised that the sensible thing to do was probably just get the stream on for the last. However long it was, um, didn't take long. I think maybe five minutes for Norwell to sort of eventually polish off the tail. Um, but yeah, it was a, a pretty extraordinary finish and also a, a great story. Vish wrote it very well. Um, he was obviously at Edgebaston to um, watch the Denu more. And um, yeah, I think Norwell's had it pretty tough through the year. I think, he, you know, there was a point at the start of the season where he um, did his back basically from spending so many nights waiting in, on hospital uh, chairs uh, waiting for his son to recover from meningitis. So um, pretty extraordinary for him to 
um, come back in the way he had. I think he wasn't even due to play that game at the end of the season and then to sort of bust the gut um, to take nine for on the final day to keep a team up is an extraordinary achievement in itself, let alone when you put in the backstory. So, yeah, um, and I don't think there were too many tears shed um, around the country about Yorkshire going down after everything that's happened uh, over the last 24 months and, you know, beyond, I think. <laughs> Probably not the most popular county among neutrals, full stop. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be quite interesting to see um, Joe Root rocking up in, in Division 2 against whoever, he, whichever medium pace it takes the new ball at the start of next season. Um, talk, talking, talking of talking of cricket badgers all being cricket tragics, it, it reminds me your your tale, Matt. Reminds me of uh, the scenes last summer when um, I think it was the, the, the finish at Egbert, wasn't it? Uh, Lancashire going for the championship, and and was it was it Hampshire? I can't remember who they were yeah. playing, but there was it was a it was an app, another absolute humding. I think it was the penultimate uh, game of the mm. of the season on that on that occasion because obviously the following day was was the was the the, the final throws of the of the season. But nonetheless, it was. It was another absolute humdinger to to take the championship. Obviously, this was a relegation battle on this occasion, but but nonetheless, it just goes to show that you know with the championship when it comes down to the wire, um, and all the you know all, all all the talk from the supporters of the county championship has been about the journey that is the whole season culminating in you know everything you've fought for for an entire summer comes down to what it, whatever it is one ball. Uh, two runs or, or all the rest of it it's it's happened two two times in two times in as, as many summers in 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 very specific killer matches essentially and uh you know it, it goes re, re, reinforces the fact that it is actually quite precious what uh what you can achieve in the in the county championship but you know it may not get the may not get the plaudits and the and the and the, and the, and the, and the attention for every spit and cough of an entire season but fundamentally, when it, when it comes down to the, the, the nitty gritty and the final moments, it generally matters more than pretty much anything else domestically uh, in, in this country. And uh, long may that continue, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not wholeheartedly opposed to some of the notions within Andrew Strauss's re- review. I think I think there is some sense in there, but also there is still something precious to, to preserve um, about the the. the well, I personally, I've been. We haven't got long. I think we're too late to start beating <laughs> the manifesto about about forty one teams as opposed to eighteen. But that that would be my solution. But uh, but you know, uh, what what it is, what it is at the moment is 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 a competition that somehow keeps functioning and and delivering gripping finishes. And frankly, that's what you want from most competitions. If only there was a way to increase the jeopardy on the previous games by maybe trimming them from you know, maybe say 14 to 10 or something like that. It might work quite well. <laughs> uh, perish the thought. Who would come up with uh, <laughs> that proposal? Um, yeah, uh, we won't get into Strauss. Um, I think we've had enough high performance for one day. Well done both. Um, England and Australia will be getting their rocks off at the Optus Stadium in Perth on Sunday uh, with the T20 World Cup first round starting a week later. We'll be back before England begin their campaign against Afghanistan uh, on October 22nd. Until then, my thanks to Matt and Miller and to you all for tuning in. Please feel free to rate us on your preferred pod provider and then head over to espncrickinfo.com for all the latest. Bye.